Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast. I am your host, David Palermo. Coming up, we've got a bunch of Bills talk. The Bills are going to possibly make the playoffs. I guess a 20% chance. We'll dive into that. I have Kevin Vasari on the line on standby right now. Um, if you don't know, get to numbillsfan.com. Everything you want is right up there. There's like a little stream of our Instagram. If you don't want to go on Instagram and follow along there, if you don't already, that's my prime spot. But there's also an Etsy store if you want to buy a shirt. Sizes are limited. Uh, I believe we're sold out of XLs for sure. Um, but I have some Bill's memorabilia coming up. I screwed up first time with an Etsy store, and a b- bunch of my stuff got taken down because I didn't re-list in time. So I have to, unfortunately, measure everything with a tape measure because I'm a little crazy. So people don't go, oh, it's smaller than I thought. No, here's a tape measure, dope, dopey. Look into it before you buy it. But... I got a bunch of Bills glasses and flags and stuff I've collected over the years because I'm a hoarder. And uh, essentially, I just go places and buy stuff over the years. So you can have it, and it helps support the podcast. So check that out on numbillsfan.com or Etsy, um, the numbillsfan Etsy store. If you don't and you haven't and you're a fan of comedy and you haven't checked out Ari Shafir's comedy special, Double Negative, you're out of your mind. Ari Shafir is hands down my favorite comedian ever. Uh, he has another podcast called The Skeptic Tank. Numb Bills Fan Podcast is a proud, proud, proud podcast to work with Punch Drunk Sports Podcast Network. And that's coming to you soon. I've been talking about it. A lot of stuff behind the scenes with them and their website. So this is the podcast exclusively covering the Bills. So a comedian who covers sports, a professional sports team. And uh, that's me, your host, David Palermo. I guess I'm a comedian. So that said, Grandstand Sports Network, make sure you check that out. That's where we'll be airing. And uh, again, at Punchrunk, at Grandstand Sports, check all that out. Um, on the line right now, we have Kevin Masseri from Locked On Bills Podcast. Kevin is um, a guy that I consider myself going back with him now because we all started as commenters and whatever, and uh, before the double digits, uh, probably like oh nine ish. Um, I was going crazy on like Buffalo Rumblings, refreshing comments. So, you know, using the bathroom at work, taking a little more time than I needed to. Sorry, Tom, you were paying me for that. And um, you know, we finally get to a point where the cream rises to the top, and people like me just either don't stop talking, so they decide that they're important enough to start a podcast. And Kevin started one with Rob Quinn called Building the Herd. So Kevin and I, I've always had a good respect for Kevin. And he's been on a lot this past year. Um, and Kevin, I'll say you're you're my favorite person to talk to. Kind of weird, I know, a little romantic. But um, what do you got going on on Lockdown? As always, Dave, thanks for having me on. Um, always always a fan to come on the show. Just, you know, we're still beasting out our three at three podcasts a week over at lockdown pretty much nowhere to find us at lockdown bills um or google lockdown bills pretty pretty high ranked there um on the google search engine so find us over there we have a lot of good guests we have some radio hosts nate geary wgr we have eric turner have a couple of other people on there um so come check it out and as always love doing appearances on other shows yeah don't you get on and out there in toronto too sometimes um like on radio stations, don't you call radio? Like, don't they have you on as like a guest? 
Yeah, I'm on the fan in 590 in Toronto. Um, kind of get, I try to get on there like once a week. Uh, Aaron Quinn joined in for me to this week. Um, but yeah, we're on there different hours. We, we'll cut it up and we'll put it on our site so you to listen to. So it's cool to get on there. They, they use us for information up there in Toronto. All right. Well, Kevin, that's big time. Um, I've never gotten a call. You know, if you want to pass word along, they want to call, you know, they want to call me. Sure. You know, let, let them know if Aaron's sick, you know, if something happens. Um, all right. So this podcast is going to be a little bit different. Um, I've been pretty formatted, believe it or not, with a lot of notes this year. And it's the last game for the Bills before the playoffs, if they happen. And Kevin, I'll be honest, um, been more negative this season since I've been podcasting than ever. And I used to rip on Doug Marone for for a bit before the podcast started because we started the first year Rex came in. Uh, I started one, did the first one by myself, then Deacon called me up, and uh, we did the next 100-something podcast together, all the Facebook Live shows except for uh, one or two to three, and Deacon even did some without me. But I have never been so frustrated with the coaching staff in my entire life. And this podcast, I've always thought I was more of a homer, more positive. And some people are actually accusing me, David Palermo, of being more negative than usual this year. And it's not really a negative. It's just a system I have in place where the team starts with ownership. It goes down to the front office, which is usually the general manager. So we're talking about competition here, not marketing. goes to the general manager. Then it goes to the head coach. And then it goes to, obviously, the coaches underneath the coach. And then it hits the players. So what happens is, as I look at coaching like this, you have a box and you have a bunch of lines and whatever patterns crossed into it. And you're going to set it. There's many different styles of this shape, we could say. And you're going to set it on top of these players and hope they fit your system. Or you could do what Wade Phillips did and the Sean McVay character out there in L.A., and look at the talent you have on hand, acquire talent, like Nicole Roby Coleman, cut from the Bills. He was a fine nickel corner. He was a fine nickel corner. Had no beef with him. Robert Wood signs out there. Sammy Watkins gets traded out there. What is what is he doing? The, the thing that kills me is this podcast is about the problem with Bills fans, hands down. The problem with Bills fans, and I'm one of them. And the problem I have is I ding myself to that system I told you, Kevin, which is ownership, general manager, coach, players. And I think the players take way too much heat. Tyrod Taylor is a prime example. We all know what Tyrod Taylor is capable of. I'm not trying to tell you he will ever be Peyton Manning. What I'm trying to tell you is running for it on third and six in Getting the first down for Tyrod Taylor is the same thing as a completion two yards and four yards after catch it Tom Brady would get and Edelman dives down past the sticks or something that we've seen for years or whatever, frankly, receiver you want to put in there for the Patriots or whatever other guy you like. And there's many different ways to play football. There's many different ways to play sports, but the quarterback pays the bills. It is the most important position on the team. I'll give it that. But we've seen a team that's put up 27-something points on the regular, and now they have, like, what, like one offensive touchdown to Bills in the last five games in the second half? 
I think one of them was a touchdown for the Colts. So in overtime, right? Something like that? Right. So yep. to me, Kevin, talk me off the ledge. Am I really that negative? Because the last couple of times we've talked, it's kind of been like a Debbie Donner. Oh, here we go. But like, dude, they're in the playoffs. And I got into it with um with your, your buddy there. What was his name? John Green, you said? Uh, yeah, I believe so. And, and you know, John, if you're listening, I'm going to mention you on this. So you're going to hear this. If you're listening, bud, I, I got no beef with you. Um, I would love to have you on the podcast, and I would like to talk because you, I, I think you're a very good follow. Um, you're pretty positive, and I like that. And, and I try to be pretty positive. I really do. I really do. But I try to be, most importantly, objective. And I'll, with the bills, at least trend more towards the light, whereas in my own personal life, I'm more like, kind of just realized like literally the other day like every day in my life is mostly the dark mostly like oh man fuck i forgot to do this oh man i didn't do this oh man it's, instead of like oh i did do this i kind of you know there's always more for me and it might be a product of being self-employed where time is money you're always grinding grinding grinding. well i'm kind of burned out at 33 and um you know so with the bills i try to be more positive frankly and i use sports as an outlet from the stresses of life um so John, I'll, I'll say um, it, it's it's good that you're there, tech, you know, tweeting with me because honestly, as I'm tweeting back and forth with you, I'm still having to remind myself, like, dude, he's right. They they are the Bills. Like, Kevin, let's be positive right off the bat. Let's just get there. Like, the Bills can do it. The Bills can really make the playoffs, man. And McDermott can look like a genius, but he's not, and I can deal with it. And there's going to be some fall guys. But I'll tell you what, this quarterback should not be one of them. I don't think so. And people could say, oh, he's had no wide receivers. Well, he's never had receivers. At least Rex Ryan, I can give out injuries to Harvin or whatever, but, oh, you should know that. No, you don't know that. I don't believe people are injury prone. In fact, I think players might overwork themselves, and that's why they get hurt. At the same time, I also feel that there is a football shape that they say where you got to take the hits to get used to it. Um, I've never played organized football in my life. Yeah, you heard it here. 10 minutes and 30 seconds in, podcast number 168. I'll tell you again, I've never played organized football in my life. So what's that tell you? I haven't hit my head as much, so I could be pretty clear about my thoughts right now. But I did ride a lot of BMX. I did wrestle. I did do a lot of things. And don't worry, the wrestlers always outwork the football players. If you want to go, I'll race you right now. Um, so that said, um, my body would get into a shape, you know, and you would deal with the nicks and the bruises, and, and your body would just kind of get hardened. I would always fall. I would ride BMX and not wear elbow pads. And I would always fall on my damn elbows. But they kind of, like, hardened up. Like, shins kind of harden up when you do, like, uh, you know, martial arts and stuff. So, um I feel like that's what a lot of the injuries in sports are these days, are, are, are soft tissue and, um, you know, pulling muscles. You're not drinking enough water. And it's like little simple things. But these players don't have enough time, my point is, to really learn these new systems that are put on them. And it's like this season is a typical season where, for me as a Bills fan, and I want to stay positive about this, Kevin, I'm going to pass it to you if you're still with me as I digress four different ways. Um you want to see a new coaching staff come in and build on what they did well the year prior. That's what we always think. And we assume, okay, the run game is going to be there. you got to be a complete idiot not to have that. No, the first guy they hire is a 
is a run game coordinator, Juan Castillo. And Rick Dennison gets all the flack, but that's what we call the run game coordinator. Fast forward to a couple weeks ago, I said this before, I hear Incognito on an interview with John Murphy, and I wish I had the clip, where he pretty much said that the coaches had to swallow their pride and ego a little bit, and the players were looking at themselves going, we've done this for two years with pretty much the same guys. What's going on here? And what the coaches do? They finally adjusted. But this is a team who's very slow at making adjustments. This is a team that doesn't have a better backup quarterback than a fifth-round rookie. This is a team that traded away talent to teams that are going to the playoffs. Say what you want about Marcel. But when you tell me that you're hiring a guy like Waffle as your defensive line coach, I'm like, oh, cool, can't wait to hear about these coaches. And I would like to meet every coach on the roster. I'll have a sit-down conversation with you guys want to punch me in the face. Try. That's cool, too. I don't care. But I'll tell you one thing. When I hear that you're bringing in this hardline coach and his rep, his rep with the Rams is he's some hard-nosed dude, and you got a guy like Marcel that's dealing with fucking family members getting murdered and crime, and you got these guys that are like literally like they grow up in the streets, they, you know, their families, and, and Waffle's been in football for a long time. He ain't stupid. He knows this. And ain't disrespect to the man because I don't know him. But if the whole MO of this dude is he's a hard ass, that's not the coach I want on my team. I'm sorry. That's not the coach I want on my team. And all you old school football fans out there, I'm 33, and I'm right at the edge where I was called a retard on the job site daily. I was called a fucking moron. I was called all that shit. And maybe that's why I have a little bit of an attitude. You know, but I was the last of that. You can't talk to people like that. And that dude was on the Rams. He was the Rams coach under that dead, dying duck of Jeff Fisher as a lame duck coach. And a new young kid comes in, and this team wins the division first year. And we got this guy in McDermott that, dude, I like what he brings, man. I like his pedigree. I love, I've said how much, going to earlier podcasts of the year, this coach has it. I do believe it. But this offensive coordinator does not. He's gone. It's a given. He is gone. He's got to be gone. If he's not gone, my season tickets are gone. That's, that's it. That's a fucking promise. That's how irritated I am. I'm telling you right now, he's got to go. Defensive line is not performing. I think that guy might need to go too. And you think you're going to bring in this waffle guy to deal with your $100 million player you just signed less than a couple years ago? And what happens? Oh, you ship him off for a six-round pick because that's going to work. And then next thing you know, you got this guy Coleman stepping up that, uh, you know, you sign him back, he steps up, starts in, and he's cut the next week, as in two weeks ago, right? Like, because why? Because you have nothing in the middle. At least you have to game plan for the guy. When we talk about football, we talk about the trenches. We talk about mismatches. And you want to sweat Bill Belichick? You talk about damn game time situational football. And the situational football for the Bills this year has not been that great. To a point where there's like a fourth and seven or something stupid where I'm like, man, just take the points and they go for it. Like, like they've been listening to WGR saying they got to go for it, which I do agree. But you're not reading the analytics correctly. Third and two. You don't give it to your Hall of Fame running back. You do something stupid. And then you do something stupid after that. 
Like, any time that they need, like, just do the simple play, it doesn't mean make a big jumbo form, as Jeremy White would say on WGR or Howard Simon Show. Because I love when he says that, all right, guys, bring out the big guys against the big guys, and we're going to tee off, and we're going to really show who's the man. No. Not at all. What did Chang Gay we do? Run him out of a spread. You know what I'm saying? Like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So be creative. And the offensive coordinator has shown that. He, dude, first halves of a few of these games have been awesome. That last game was awesome. It was a great, I I would really like what I saw from him. But to bring this home, Kevin, back to you, my overall point is, is the coaches dictate what these players are supposed to do. Um, Culture does not win football games. And I don't want to hear about culture. And another thing I don't want to hear about is I don't want to hear that, you know, some guys, the go-to is some guys had this team written off. You know, some guys were talking about tanking. I was never fucking talking about tanking. And I'm a prominent member of Buffalo sports media when it comes to the Bills as far as a DIY blogger. And that might sound a little cocky, but I'm one of the only dickheads that's consistently here talking about it still. So what that means is I think my opinion holds a little bit of weight because I'm cocky and I'm entitled because I said so. So what that means to you, Kevin, is things have to go in a certain order, okay? And we've seen this play out many times with coaching, and I think the absolute worst thing that could ever happen was you ship out the talent, you got the roster, you bring in coaches who do not know how to put the, the players remaining in the position to be most successful, even in things they control, which is situational football, whether you know the personnel out there or not. And that's a problem. And for anybody in the media to say, oh, they're on the verge of tanking. Dude, that guy's probably a dipshit who said that. And then that gets just the fact that somebody asked a dumb question at a presser, everybody else writes an article about it. And, oh, there were seed tasks on John Murphy talking about, oh, there were, you know, some people are talking about them tanking. Really? Yeah, I'm sure that's what all players and coaches want to do is tank. But in Sabres fashion, they did ship out talent. So how do I know? And some people are like, oh, we have more wins than we expected. No, motherfucker. I expected 9-7. and seven. At least 9-7. and seven. We have 27 points on the board. This time last year, Kevin, we're saying, dude, fix the defense. Fix the defense. Get people who can stay healthy around Tyrod Taylor, by all means. Fix the defense. Touchdown Mike, tearing it up. LaShawn McCoy, tearing it up. Charles Clay out there, healthy, tearing it up. He can't throw over the middle. I don't care. They put up 27 fucking points. To me, that's a coach who knows how to use his personnel. Anthony Lind and Greg Roman. So, for me, Kevin, I think the worst case scenario happened to the Bills, which is you ship out talent. You don't know how to coach up the talent underneath it. And it takes you to like the Patriots game really to start making a bunch. I mean, they turned more into a power football about what midway through the year. Right. But like you shouldn't even be going to camp. I'll give you mini camps and stuff. Okay. But you shouldn't even be going to f- actually fuck that. If you're a coach for the team and you don't know what the players do best and you're an offensive coach, a wide receivers coach, a whatever coach with the right wide receivers get no separation. So who's that on to? Another rookie wide receiver coach? 
you know, so East Carolina. So, Kevin, I that's my rant. Talk me off the ledge. Um, I pretty much ran into me for like 15 minutes. I'm sorry to hold you up. But it's all good. You had a rant to do. I, I appreciate it. I was listening. Is it that bad? You know what I mean? Like, what do we have to look forward to? I, is think, it it's, that- I think it's somewhere in the middle, Dave. I don't think it's quite as bad as what you kind of feel or think it is. Um, but at the same time, when it comes to like Rick Dennison, you're not going to get me to talk to you off the ledge. I think he's been atrocious. You're going to need to get Eric Turner on your show to tell you what he does well and his concepts, which are apparently good concepts from what I've read and seen. Um, they just aren't working with his personnel. He's not putting people in positions to win. Um, it's really, it's really not a, it's really not an offense that this that they, that they can run. Now, what you're going to end up doing, like you did kind of in the secondary last year, is you're going to rehaul your entire pretty much your entire offense. I mean, you're going to get in a couple new offensive linemen. You're going to get a new receiver and you're going to probably get a new second running back and you're going to get a new quarterback, right? So you're going to be able to overhaul this, but you're putting all of your offense in the hands of Rick Dennison, who proved he was unable to do anything um, without his own players. So he's going to fight for, I need my own players, right? He's going to fight and say, I need my own players. I need my own players. Um, what happens when he gets his hand-picked quarterback with, the fir- with one of his first round draft choices or we trade up? Um, so there, there, there's situations there that I don't, I don't really want Rick Dennison putting his mark on our offense and having to redo it again in two years. Um, so, you know, that's a little bit worrisome, but defensively, I think it's some, some of it's a little bit overblown. Like I don't think the front seven's great. I think the secondary is one of the best in the NFL, uh, which is funny coming from people saying that it could be the worst unit in the entire league. That's all units combined, offensive lines, defensive lines, saying that the Bills' secondary would be the worst individual unit in the league, and it's turning out to be one of the best. I mean, you have multiple pro bowlers. You have a potential defensive rookie of the year. Um, it, it, was a, it was a unit that they focused on overhauling, and they did. Um, if they can do something like that with the front seven, I have no doubt that the Bills' defense will be much, much, much better next year. They've had a p- couple of really bad games, I mean, against some good offenses. That's why I said I'd much rather play Jacksonville if we sneak into the playoffs because their offense isn't great then play Kansas City again and, and, and potentially have to shut them down again in Arrowhead, which wouldn't happen. Um, so I'd, I'd much prefer to play a defensive team where you know you're going to be in until the end rather than New England, who you know his offense is going to kick it into full gear at some point. You know, they weren't able to do it in either first half of the game that they played, but they make such good adjustments that Rick Dennison's there scratching his head offensively and Sean McDermott scratching his head defensively when – Tom Brady finally will start taking his five-yard checkdowns instead of trying to make big plays down to Brandon Cooks. So, you know, you, you have a lot of different things going on there. I, 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 I think that the odds are a little bit better than 20% that they could sneak in at 9-7. and seven. I do think the Bills are owed some type of good luck here Seriously, tomorrow. right? I mean, dude. They're not the best uh, team in the NFL and probably are the sixth best team in the AFC. Um, and, what, dude, they, they've deserving. been better than so many NFL. I'm sorry to cut you off. They've been better than so many p- playoff teams over the years. It's not even funny, like the Texans, the, the Seahawks a few years back. Like um. they just, they just statistically, based on, um, you know, including really the playoff year, I'm including that because that was just super. I mean, come on, that was the most unlucky thing. I think that's more unlucky than wide right, Dave. I, I don't think that there's any doubt that throwing the ball across the field. Um, on a potential forward pass and then running another 75 yards. I mean, that's just extremely unlucky. I remember um, what I was doing at Music City Miracle, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I was at a bar with my father. You could still smoke in the bar. And we're watching this shit. And I remember knocking over an ashtray, walking by to get him a drink or 
And Dad's like, oh, go see if she's married. See if she has a ring on her hand. He's like, okay. And I, yeah, I, 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 I was, like, remember where I was, what I was doing. Like, You couldn't have been too old. I mean, I was only, I don't know, 12 or 13. I was at... Uh, I was probably 15, you know, in a bar yeah. where I belong, right? Right. <laughs> I was at Salmon Creek in Spencerport, or wherever that is. Hilton, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was there, just finished a soccer, like a, a competitive soccer matchup. Um, and we stopped right at the beginning of the game to, to stay at their like little bar area to watch the game and just i couldn't believe we were like oh this is going to get reviewed we're all good and then the review didn't go their way and i don't know just eerie feeling from start basically a start of my real bills manhood at 12 years old or whatever i was um and you go into now i mean they just they just deserve some law they just deserve baltimore to lose straight up that, that's all like there's nothing else that needs to happen i think it's higher than 20 percent. 20 percent factors in that baltimore it's going to beat Cincinnati on like an 80 or 90% clip, which is the NFL. I just don't believe that it's that high. Dude, I don't – I'm sorry, man. We were talking about the Colts earlier, you and I, in the Bengals game. And um, I didn't watch it. I didn't even know what the hell happened. But, I mean, I say it every year the Bengals are on the schedule. It's never a guaranteed win for the Bills. And if I'm the Bills looking to play the Bengals right now, say I'm trying to look at the Bengals right now with the talent that they have on their team, this is a division opponent. The Ravens and the Bengals, the Bengals are going to, I think the Bengals are going to fuck them up. I could be totally wrong. At the same time, I am totally wrong because the Ravens have, what, the highest scoring offense in the last second half of the league or second half of the year, I believe. They have like a super high scoring offense right now. So am I wrong on that? I think they're pretty good. I always hate to play them, especially when it's there. Fortunately for Baltimore, it's in Baltimore. Mm. Um, They are missing some key players. Um Baltimore's offense is still limited. They're miss, missing Macklin tomorrow. I mean, if you look at the Bengals, they're missing Joe Mixon and Jeremy Hill. So pretty much Giovanni Bernard, but he played super well last week. They always have A.J. Green who can turn a game around. He basically beat the Bills on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I call it more of a 50-50 game. Any division game at the end of the year. Just like the Bills-Miami game to me is a 50-50 game. Um, just like the Jacksonville, Tennessee division games, a 50, so, 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 all right. So I'm going to mark this down. Um, Jacksonville, what do you see with the Jacksonville and the Titans game? I, I think, I just don't think Tennessee's very good. Yeah. I, I, I don't think the Titans are, are doing shit. Um, I, I think, I think, I think Jacksonville's defense, Doug Marone's going to want to go in with a win. He's going to want to feel good. I mean, his offense, he's not sitting anybody really. Um, I, Come on, I man. This Jack- is a guy who took who took that Patriots win and acted like an asshole about it to get the Bills a 9-7 and seven when the Patriots bench people. Doug Marone's going in there to win. Now, is this yep. in Jacksonville? It is in Jacksonville because they untarp seats for, what, the first time in like 20 years? Yep. Yeah. So, so that's Titans in Jacksonville. No shit. That should so be it's a pretty much a pick em game according to 538 Sports, meaning that they're saying 50-50. It'd be a lot higher if the Jaguars were playing for something. Um, but, you know, right now they're calling that one a, a 50-50 game. So I pretty much – I think it's pretty much – I, I don't know. I think it's pretty much uh, – uh, 60-40 Jacksonville, but it's also in Tennessee. So if they're on tarping seats, it must be for the um, it must be for the wild card game next the following week. Really? Yeah. So this game's actually in Nashville. Oh, 
Um, Damn. As as is, um, the Bills game is actually 50-50 as well. At, at one point, Miami was getting a half of a point. Um, so I don't know where that line's moved. And then you have the Cincinnati-Baltimore game, which – you know, they're calling more of a 77 to 23%, eight and a half points Baltimore's getting. Um, no they're eight and a half point favorites in, uh, against Cincinnati, which is, which is, which is crazy. So let's get into this. Bills Dolphins. I think the Bills are, Steve Tasker said something this week on the John Murphy show that had me going. Getting me hyped for this game. I'm not gonna lie. He's like, you know, let me tell you something. We live in Buffalo. We're all bundled up all year. This is it in a nutshell. And uh, you know, we would practice outside because we didn't have the field house before ninety five. And uh, you know, we, we stay bundled up all the time and I'll tell you, you get down to Florida, you get off that plane and it's great. You know, you're showing up to practice in short socks, you know what I mean? Like you're doing your normal routine, like like a normal weather, nice day routine. I think these Bills are players are going to be spry. They're going to be loose. I went down personally to a Miami game a couple of years ago, and it was the first year with uh, Rex. And hell of a game to be at, man. You had guys healthy like Percy Harvin, um, McCoy, I think actually got injured in that game. Um, and you had uh, Charles Clay. Getting that, that touchdown, I was actually not watching it. I mean, I was watching it on the TV screen, but I wasn't in the stadium yet. It was like a bunch of blocks of screens. It's pretty cool. And, um, you know, I, hey, man, I, I think this team will do some damage on some dry turf. The, the Bills are a very athletic team. They're going to play so fast. They're going to be so fast. I think I think Miami's going to be in for it. At the same time, Miami's going to be up for it because they practice in that. And you got some dominant dudes. But, again, I thought that there was no way coming off that Patriots-Steelers game that the Patriots would get any breaks in this game, in this Bills game. Like, I was like, no way. They're going to play them tough and da 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 And what do you know? The whole Calvin Benjamin thing happened. So, I don't want to speak too soon on my next point, which is the Bills are due. The Bills are really overdue to get a break. They have never been this close. I mean, Andamakansu needs to get ejected from the game. He needs to get flags thrown on him for his cheap shit. You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. Like, we got to get this. The, the Bills can't beat themselves. What that means is third and two, do what you think is the best. Is that a read option? Well, maybe. Is that a screen? Yeah. Can we try a screen to LaShawn McCoy? You know? Can we try that instead of the fullback every time? Right. You know? And it's like the team was humming in the first half. First play, Tolbert gets the ball in the second half, right? I don't think Tolbert touched a rock at all in the first half. They lose yards. Like they literally – or no, no. He did touch the ball earlier in the first half, and they lost yards. And, second, and it's like – you know, I wanted to touch on this real quick, Kevin, and, and have, finish up with your analysis on this. But on a side note, did you catch uh, the the stuff that Tolbert said on uh, Instagram? Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, Tolbert said something really um, 
really nice on Instagram. And uh, the way I took it is I kind of took it like, dude, like, I feel you, but, um, you know, like, maybe now is not a good time. You know, it's like, essentially his post said, I I took it as in like like layoff, and, and and pretty much like let us play the game. We're the ones putting our life on the line here, and like, dude, I I get all that, you know, I get all that, but it, it you got to understand like he's trying to say like, hey man, you know, the 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 coach is good. You got a good coach. I'm trying to find the post right now, and I can't, of course. I'm trying to kill time talking about it. Like, I can't pause it. Um, and I can't buy that shit. Because this is a guy that I'm sure has played a lot of football, okay? He's a vet. But, like, you were brought in here for this culture bullshit. And I was a big avid supporter of Tolbert. And I still am if he's used correctly at the same time when opportunity presents itself it doesn't work and yeah he said he said there's a ton of stuff that goes on the football field which i'm certain you have no idea about it's every person on the field to do their job for a play to be successful a lot of times it works but sometimes it doesn't for you to be a fanatic you should cheer for the bills best not bash players that are out bleeding and breaking bones for this game also, this head coach is amazing, just in FYI. Just remember that the players that line up across from us are always professionals as well. So before you start a GoFundMe account or say some slick, explicit, about how trash someone is, or this is one of the remember you only dreamed about being here and could never do what I nor any NFL player does. God bless. Merry Christmas. I'll tell you what, Kevin. Thank you for reading that off for me so I could just talk over you now. So, um, dude. Uh, look at man. I used to dream about being an athlete. I, I really did. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I could probably, if I put my mind to it, I'd probably get paid doing a hell of a lot of other shit, and not have to work my ass off and deal with my head getting hit. And that's no disrespect to the man because I respect the players. That's essentially why I tell. I was telling you earlier, like this podcast. If you start it, owner, GM, coach, players, I do this more for the players. Because they're essentially the bottom feeders. They are the pieces that you fit the system or you don't. You do what you're told or you don't. Well, coach, I'm better at that. Do what you're told. Okay. <laughs> you know, so for him to say that, like, that's cool. Like, I, I, I like Tolbert. But, like, Mike, buddy, you're not put in the proper position. Oh, you don't know football. You didn't play. You said it earlier. Okay, I get it. But, like, I can see how players are used. And, if people got to learn how players can be affected, just play a simulation game like Madden. And, yeah, my like, oh, it's Madden. Okay, you're right. The blocking will be better because they're already doing the right thing, you know? So that would have been good out the gate. Play some Madden. That's my Madden joke. I have to get one every podcast, so drink. Yeah, you do. Yep. But what, what's your take on, on that post? Because <laughs> that, coach, that coach knows so much, but, like, he ain't telling Dennison, like, hit the fucking road. I'm kind of in the middle on it. I think he's not – I think he takes a lot of heat as the player. Um, 
But I also don't think he's very good. And I think that as a fan that pays money to watch the sport, you're allowed to have criticisms. So um, I don't think that there is much more that goes into it. He's kind of saying, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm kind of saying, yeah, I do. I watch the plays. Um, one specific one, I mean, I think he's got to be referring to his one of his runs where Eric Wood just got destroyed and he got tackled in the backfield. The point is, like, you don't do anything special to make up the difference for your team. You're, you you negatively impact the team. You don't help the team. Like, LaShawn McCoy has to deal with that every play. Um, you know, he makes one cut or one read, or, or um, and he makes up for a bad play by someone else. You know, Mike, Mike Colbert's unable to do that. Um, a backup running back, so we're dime a dozen. Um, you look across the NFL, there's plenty of them. I don't think he's good enough to play. He's fine on special teams. He's fine in certain roles. He just shouldn't be getting second running back carries behind a Hall of Fame running back. I, I look at it like this, man. Is like he doesn't call the plays. And, you know, man, I don't know. It's like Mike Tolbert, dear Mike Tolbert, Unfortunately, the social media, you had taken 95% more heat than you should take. It's not you, Mike. It's the fact that you are already put in position, breaking huddle, in a situation you shouldn't be in. When I see Mike Tolbert on the field on third down, and granted, LaShawn McCoy is not the best pass blocker. He's, I think he's actually improved the last few years. Um. There's a guy that lives in Buffalo that can pass protect better than you, Mike, and Fred Jackson, and he can also get yards with good vision. But he's not on the field for a reason because you don't have to account for him. Well, it's an obvious passing down. Well, maybe you put in the linebacker's head for a second looking at that jersey 25, you know, the best player on the offensive side of the ball. And top five in the league for his position, probably. So um, maybe you might want to have that guy in the field, Mike. So I'm sure McDermott's a good guy. I'm sure you're walking around, you know, you guys hang out family to family at school and stuff. But, like, we're talking football, Mike. We're talking you shouldn't be in that position. That's not your fault. That's really not your fault. Right. There should be no halfback stretch for fucking Mike Tolbert in the playbook. Am I am I out of my mind? So, when we're in a situation where it's third and two, and they don't give Mike Tolbert the ball up the middle, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing watching this team right now? Okay? After that Patriots game, I was so pissed about the refs. And then the second half, I'm just like, you know, you can't look at stats. No, you can't look at... But then when you only see, like, what, three points or something stupid, not even, like, from the Bills the whole second half, I have to start looking around and look at the plays because before you know it, when you get into the fourth quarter, you are squishing out that clock. And you have a three and out coming out of halftime, Bills. And Mike Tolbert was involved, if I'm not mistaken. Because we talked about that last podcast. Again, Mike, to wrap on this, dude, and Kevin, you follow me up, buddy, into the rest of the Bills, Miami stuff, like how they can win, the circumstances, EJ Gaines, I like to talk about EJ. But, Mike, dude, it's not your fault. You're taking a lot of unnecessary heat. And honestly, if you're one of those fans that are at-tweeting him, like, dude, stop. I, I, I am not a fan of at-tweeting players. I don't care if he drops 12 balls. 
You know, don't do that. And, and granted, you know, I felt guilty talking about Zay's drops and that you should really just sit him down for a game or for a quarter or, or something to build his confidence. I'm like, dude, 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 just relax. Everything's just humming so fast. You're putting all this pressure on yourself. Once your pressure's so high, you can't... I just know this from work, like at least what works for me, but everybody has this black or white philosophy on coaching and stuff, and it's not always that way. And the best coaches, they work with their players. The best guys who run businesses, they work with the team that they have. And when Mike Tolbert's not in on a third and two, when he's not in on a fourth and one, that's what I'm worried about. Like, that's why he's here, and he's not even in the right position. And and he probably has negative yards for the season running the ball this year, I would bet. So it's like, dude, I don't know what to where, where to go. Like, how do we even look at Miami? Because I was thinking in the first half, how did the Bills shoot themselves in the foot during the Patriots? Because Brady is finally off. He's not looking good. This is great. This is a good game. So how do you look at the Bills? Like, really, start with the offense because we're already there what is Miami really vulnerable with uh, they're playing awful defensively um, as we saw in the first game they can get really chewed up on the ground right now they're they're not playing really solid fundamental in the defensive back region they had to just claim Trey Elston off waiver from the Bills they're struggling at the safety position um they can get after the quarterback. That's pretty much about it on defense. Um, Kiko Alonso's hit and miss. You know, he misses a lot of tackles. He's, you know, we know him through and through. Um, I miss Kiko. I would, I would love Kiko. Yeah, I mean, he's a good complimentary piece. Not a guy making forty million dollars as your head front seven player. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's good enough to be that. Um, so, you have a really big a big advantage on the defensive side of the ball for them because they're allowing the 28th most points in the league at 24.7 average amount of yard, uh, 337 with its 18th. Um, So they're, they're, they're playing pretty average football and allowing a lot of points and their offense is anemic. I mean, rushing yards, even with Kenny and Drake, which has been a lot better. They're still 28th in the league at 86 yards per game. Total yards, 304 yards, 29th, um, and 17 points a game at 26. So you're going to have a lot of opportunities, depending on what Jay Cutler you get. If he's playing better, they're in They're in any game. If he's not, they're getting blown out. So um, he's struggling to find his receivers. He looked awful in Buffalo. Maybe he's got one more final game to show who he is at home in the nice sun. Um, you know, he might get a decent game out of him, but they're only scoring 17.7 points a game. If you can hit 21 points again, you're in good shape. Why didn't the um, Bills call Jay Cutler to be their backup? You want a lot of money, man. He's not a cheap backup. You're already paying Tyrod a good amount of money. You know, you're not going to give Jay Cutler $10 million to be a backup. Is this um, the last game we see a Tyrod Taylor in a Bills uniform? I think there's a chance, yeah. I think he is close enough with um, – with McDermott that you might see just a final year. It is in the bill's hands, but you're going to pay him $18.1 million to be a backup potentially or spot starter. I don't know. I don't see it. Um, I'd prefer he still stayed on for one final year. Um, he's always vulnerable to the the cut, like the, excuse me, the pay cut. He's been doing it twice now 
So if he takes a third pay cut to stay in Buffalo, I don't know why he would, but that would make him be able to stay as well. I don't think he's a shoe and gone. Um, I, think they, just, I, I think they should extend him. Definitely not either, Dave. I think that there's a chance he's traded for a mid-round draft choice, um, which saves us even more money against the cap, gets us back an asset, and allows us to choose where he goes. Hmm. <clears throat> I never thought of that because... We want to choose where he goes to, so we're not going to want to give him inside the division to... Um, potentially New York. Um, you, you know, we're going to want him to go to the NFC, and if the Bills can get a fourth-round pick, trade him, save a little bit of money, that's the route that they would go. You know how I look at it, buddy? I look at it like this. I think the Bills keep Tyrod, okay? Possible, If yeah. anything, I think you extend him two years so you can lower that, that first year down a little bit, give him some more money up front, okay? Yep. Because here's the deal with Tyrod. When Tyrod was going through all that contract stuff, which I followed very, very, very closely, very closely. Um, the agent really stirred that pot, and that's just what he does. You know what I mean? That's what you got to do. And that's okay. Um, I think the ownership benched Tyrod, not because they didn't like him, but because... This is uh, last season, last game. But because they want a coach to have the option for a guy who's touched on the interception ratio, these coaches live and die on turnover ratio. The only reason they talk about quarterbacks is because people ask them. You can live and die off of every throw or missed throw or whatever. I mean, if you looked at Tom Brady last game, first half versus Tyrod first half, Tyrod was a, a more effective passer by far. And that's what Tyrod doing, what Tyrod does, which is like hold on to the ball for a nanosecond long, almost hit one picked off, you know, and uh, first half. And it's like, man, I don't think that it would be crazy if this year the offense just had a mulligan year and Rick Dennison, you know, packs up. Coach goes, hey, look, we had this quarterback in Tyrod. This guy is the – this is where the Bills fucked up with cutting Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. Is you had E.J. Manuel, Nathaniel Hackett, and Doug Marone in their defense. They thought they were getting Ryan Fitzpatrick when they took the job. That's what Nathaniel Hackett revealed at the end of the year, too. They thought they were going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick. That would have been a perfect guy for EJ Manuel to learn the game from, to get tips from on how to prepare. He's been around the league. He's a journeyman. That's exactly what we talk about. Well, why can't that quarterback be Tyrod Taylor, who, by the way, if you give him time, he does get better. He can't throw over the middle. Well, what does he do? He throws over the middle. Well, his anticipation, well, it's better than it was. At the same time, he's throwing totally different route concepts than he had last year. And you know, you can tell now that you are throwing the ball deeper. You're finding more guys with space, you know? Right. And a lot of people are like, oh, he threw for 280 yards, but, you know, he didn't look great against New England. Well, if we went off of how players looked against New England, no quarterback would have a job except, like, Ben Roethlisberger. So, um, you know I mean? got to look at his total picture of play. You know, he is conservative. He is – look, he, he's a 9-7 quarterback. I've said that from day one. I mean – He's a nine and seven guy. If he has a good team, you might get an extra production out of him. Right now, his team's not great. His defense isn't that good. His offense is 
average. Um, he's got no receivers being separated right now. He's easily his best receivers, Deontay Thompson, who came in against Tampa Bay like week seven or whatever that was. Um, you know, and they don't even and they don't even weeks. feature him, which is amazing. He and has, they started to last week. He, and, he, and he's a guy that he has chemistry with that we all know. But again, it's like the offensive coordinator doesn't get the fucking memo. So what I'm trying to say here is, if you're the head coach, you're trying to hire an offensive coordinator. Tyrod Taylor is an asset, and he's equity, but this GM has shown that they don't care about equity. They'll trade Watkins. They'll trade Darius. So, and, hey, it is what it is. And I was ripping on, hey, how good is Gettleman if he got fired? Well, he got hired in New York. Good for him, man. Proud of him. He seems like a good dude. Um, Buffalo ties, clearly. And point is, is it would be foolish for the Bills to – get rid of Tyrod Taylor I think because he is a professional and as McDermott said since day one and I paid attention as closely Tyrod Taylor was in the facility rehabbing every single day and I knew that would go a long way and I think you and I talked about this in uh while while I was getting some coffee um you know we think we kind of I don't want to speak for you but I brought up the point I would bet you Tyrod Taylor and Sean McDermott are tighter way tighter than we think I think they're actually the same people um, in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, I don't know where I heard the reports, but somebody said on a podcast, maybe it was you, that, like, Rick Dennison threatened to quit if Peterman didn't start. Is that you? I don't remember who I heard that from, but somebody dropped it on my podcast. Yeah, so I don't want to put any credit on that, but, you know, just – if that seed is planted. So you don't know who really makes the call on benching Tyrod on the Chargers, and I can't guarantee Tyrod will win that game. He would have looked better. But, you know, unfortunately for Peterman, he was not ready, and his coaching staff needs to see that. So it's like McDermott has learned, I think, to trust the offensive players. If not, he has no choice because I don't the, – the way Richie talks, man, I, I don't think he cares, like – I mean, he loves the team, I think, you know, but like the way he talks, it's a little bit looser than most players about you don't ever talk about your offensive coordinator and having them swallow their pride and ego. I mean, it's nice unless you, if you had that rapport with them and, and, you know, say Rick comes out and goes, yeah, man, that's cool that, that, you know, know, we did have to do that. But like that could also, to me, be a tell, and I don't want to read too much into it. It's just a loose comment. It's just, it could be nothing. It could be nothing. But it could just be a thing where, like, we've heard Dennison kind of talk about Tyrell. Well, he chose that throw. And, you know, told him, and it's like, oh, okay. You know what? Well, who chose this play then, Rick? Who chose that play, Rick? You know, well, we can't judge play calling if it's not executed. Well, it's not executed because the guy you called to execute the play is not capable of executing that play. So you fucked up. Point is, is I almost wonder if there's almost like from what I'm getting from the offensive players is these offensive players are together. Like they're a unit that they're a really tight group. And I think Tyrod Taylor goes with that core with McCoy. Um, I think that's with Clay as well. I think with these guys, it's just, it's just a thing, man. Richie Incognito and McCoy, you know, they, they're, they're buds. You can just see it. You know what I mean? Get on social media. They, they all have a good time. And, and I think that's cool, man. Like Eric Wood is like the heart of that, that line. And it's like, you know, and some people say his play is falling off a little bit, and it sucks, but, like, it's what happens. Same time, people have good games, bad games, but he's also very smart. He makes a lot of adjustments, and 
for those guys to get together and tell the coaches, like, no, we're going to do our thing. Like, they had to put their money where their mouth was, and they did it. And they executed. And the Bills, at least last week, before the Pats game, was ranked number six in the rushing. So that's not bad, but they're dead last in passing. And you know what? A lot of that is on Tyrod, too. I can't get off that. But, I mean, we've seen things work with Tyrod, like Tyrod using his legs, Tyrod doing whatever. But what are you trying to do is you know this guy can't anticipate, so instead of building an offense around him and rolling him out, you don't do that anymore. You know, and then when you do want to call something, you call some cute play to a screen to a, a fullback. Like that's the that's the call. You know, like how about a hot guy like McCoy's already ran for X amount of carries? How about Tyrod, who's already looked over his defense and paid attention and been out there for every play on what the tendencies of each player is doing? And David Lee, the quarterbacks coach, says that Tyrod Taylor has a photographic memory. Now I don't know if I do or not, but I was told I might. Because as a kid, I used to draw in class. I hated taking notes off the overhead. And then I remember a principal watching the class. And I, I didn't give a fuck. I was pretty insubordinate as a kid. And I was like, he's like, why aren't you uh, doing that? The teacher asked, I go, because I don't learn that way. Because I could tell you drawing these bricks what we talked about. If I just write that off the overhead, what I'm going to do is scan all these documents along with six other classes of notes of handwriting off an overhead. Like something's got to give. You know, it just didn't work for me. So it's kind of, uh, if I'm making any sense here, Kevin. Well, how about we talk about the Bills being 30th in the league in pass defense, or excuse me, in run defense? Like, that's anemic. That's terrible. Like, you you shouldn't be in this playoff race allowing um, 126 yards of rushing off, uh, offense per game. Like, I mean, that's that's terrible. So they are lucky to be around here. Some of their turnovers have helped out. They play pretty decent pass defense. Um, they are slightly keeping them off the board a little bit. I mean, their numbers would be a lot better if it wasn't for a few blowouts. Um, the defense hasn't been very good. The front seven in particular hasn't been very good. I would have kept Darius just this this last year. I don't think you needed to rush to trade him. I think you could have traded him this offseason and had the same dead cap number. Mm-hmm. So you might as well, you might as well um, have gotten the production out of him this year. Um, to me, the team was playing a little bit better defensively. Not a lot better, but a little bit better defensively with him. So um, even if you wanted to move on from him this offseason, I think that would have been okay. But they rushed at a chance to get a fifth-round pick because Jacksonville made the playoffs, so that pick goes to the fifth um, from the sixth-round pick. So it is a little bit better, but I still would have traded him this offseason just for a fifth-round pick straight up. So would have liked to have his production um, for you know the final push here. Um, but they felt the need to save a little bit of money now and, and get the trade done with, um, which goes to show me they're going to spend big money on defensive tackle. I don't know much about this offseason, Dave, but I think you can say they're going to put $10 million into a defensive tackle in free agency, most likely Starla Tulele from Carolina if he's available. All right, so I'll tell you what, too, on the defense side of ball. It's like um, Front seven wise, do you see Milano moving to the middle next year? Maybe, or is that crazy? No, I think they go and get their middle linebacker. I think Milano's going to stay out outside, be a pivotal part to the defense in the future years. He's actually the third ranked rookie linebacker this year. I think you get decent play out of him. Been pleasantly surprised, especially what I saw in preseason. I think you stick you stick him on the outside. You still have a final year of Lorenzo, so he's in there to help out. You get a new middle linebacker, and you know you're a lot better at that position all of a sudden. 
What about um? I want to ask you about um one one scenario here. So actually two. What are the two ways the Bills actually to, to start wrapping up this conversation? Yep. What are the two ways the Bills actually make the playoffs? It's Tennessee loses to Jacksonville, right? Yep. And with and an LA losing to Oakland, which is always possible. Oakland can be hit and miss. Um you never know what Derek Carr is able to do in his final game. So the, the, you need both of those to happen in their end, regardless of Baltimore. Or you need Baltimore to just drop to Cincinnati. And it doesn't matter about either of those two games. So you get in as the sixth seed in either of those two scenarios. As the five seed, you need two things to happen. You need Baltimore and Tennessee to lose to get the five seed, which would mean you go to Arrowhead instead of Jacksonville. Um, so that's how you get the five seed. The only swelling way at that point – the second Baltimore loses, Dave, the L.A. game no longer matters. The L.A. game, if Baltimore's getting blown out or the game looks like it's going to go Cincinnati's way, you can officially not care about L.A. anymore. They're eliminated with a Baltimore loss. Super weird, but they're eliminated with a Baltimore loss. Um, then all you're watching is the Tennessee game, and you're either rooting for or against Tennessee at that point, depending on who you want to play. Um, in the playoffs. So it could get super interesting as they're all finishing at the same time. Um, you know, if you want to be the sixth seed, then you want to play Jacksonville, then you want Tennessee to win if Baltimore loses. So um, you know, it just really depends on how the games are going. If I do, I do anticipate one thing I talked about on my show last night that I get out here is that you can't tell me for one minute in the third quarter that players aren't getting phoned in plays and scores and what's going on across the NFL LaShawn McCoy admitted to it. So with that being said, you can't – a lot of I, – I said this I said this yesterday. All the games could go the Bills' way or they're all going to go against the Bills. I don't think it's going to be a combination. L.A. could get phoned in in the third quarter that Tennessee is blowing out Jacksonville. Well, that eliminates L.A. as well. So a Tennessee win or a Baltimore loss eliminates L.A. So they're actually – to me, in worse shape than the Bills, although percentage-wise, a lot of people think that they're better, mainly because they don't think Baltimore loses. That's really why. So LA will have a little bit better odds because no one thinks Baltimore is going to lose to Cincinnati, which is stupid. But they're going to get phoned in. Hey, LA, all of a sudden, you're done. Baltimore's getting crushed or Tennessee's crushing Jacksonville. Philip Rivers isn't going to go out there and give a shit in the third and fourth quarter. He's not going to care. He's done. The season's done. You just got told pretty much your season's done. So they're going to end up crumbling um, in their game against Oakland. And the same thing could happen to Tennessee, you know, where other games are going different ways. Um, what puts Baltimore in a unique spot, though, is that they're in, in most scenarios, even with a loss, like 95%. So even if Baltimore loses, they're in. So, you know, who knows how hard they even try, knowing that they're pretty much in if the game's not going their way and they get phoned in that Tennessee's losing, well, that clinches Baltimore anyways, regardless of their game. So if Tennessee's getting crushed, Baltimore finds out at third quarter that that's happening, Dave. You tell me what you would do if you were a player on the field. Tennessee's getting crushed. You just clinched the playoffs anyways. I don't know. How hard are you going to try? I don't know. Maybe yeah, you try dude, super hard. Dude, I'll tell you what, know. man. I don't want to jinx myself. I don't really get injured in sports or anything much. And I think that's because, uh, you know, I hear Kyle Williams talk and other people talk, Eric Wood, 
and they you say still give it your all like, yeah yeah old. i really do dude i i, I always okay. do even if we're getting blown out like i've had hockey games men's hockey man dude maybe i have like small man syndrome but we can have a running clock uh which we got to get stopped this last session um right <laughs> how good our team is um we had a running clock and down seven goals and there was like 30 seconds left and i'm out there i'm fucking trying I'm absolutely trying because I always look at it like I could play hockey for the rest of my life. There will always be a league for me. So I want to get better. I want to try something. Even if I don't have the puck and I backtrack and take the right angle, at least I know next time. Maybe I'll try favoring this side a little bit more. Or you know, There's always something to sharpen up. Yeah, but you're learning, though. You are you always want to play hockey. It's a hobby. It's a passion. That's what you want to do. Look at it from their point of view. They're already there. They're already pros. They're already getting paid millions. They've already clinched the playoffs. How can you mentally, you know you're going to get another season, most players at least. We're talking about the elite players, Dave. I'm not talking about the backup safety who's now in the game. Of course he's going to give it his all. Um, I'm talking about Joe Flacco getting paged in that they just clinched the playoffs. Do you think he goes out there and does anything? No, I don't. Kevin, I don't know, man. I, I just... It's been years, and it's weird because to you know to book on this podcast with how we started. It's like I I, I want to talk to you because we've been talking all season, and um, you know, we you and I have had a long season, Kevin. We yep. had the opportunity of doing training camp together, and it was really cool, and got to get ourselves in the field and see what it's like to, to really work and be credentialed or whatever. And that's cool. You know, like there's other guys out there, our roster sports network guys that we know, Matthew Fairburn, all those guys, man. And everybody out there is working. Um, and it is cool. Cause you get to network and actually see people. And, you know, I remember Tyra Taylor running up behind me. I almost ended his career on accident while he's on his cleats running on the cement, you know? So it's like, um, it's been really interesting, and I had such great vibes in camp, but I just couldn't believe how bad it just went schematically. And maybe I'm overplaying it, but here we are, week six, week 17, and we have a shot at the playoffs, the best shot the Bills have had in 13 years. And this team seems so much farther off. Like, I don't know what to get from them. At the same time, I think that's an advantage if they make the playoffs because – if the coaches and the players can just they just gotta end the drought, man. Yeah, they just they just gotta end it. They just gotta work it. They don't deserve it. There's years we've deserved it and not gotten it. There's years where New England's crushing everybody, and you know we're not getting the luck that we need to get in the playoffs. Nine and seven years, we've had one, I guess. Um, you know, if we get a nine and seven year, Dave, we've only had two really in recent memory. I'd like to make it one of the two years that we go nine and seven. Um, yeah, I don't think this you, – you, you just heard from me. I don't think this team particularly very good. I think they have some moments on offense, offensively rushing the ball. I think they have some moments past defense, intercepting the ball and playing really solid team defense and third down. Awful statistically against the run. Um, you know, they don't they don't deserve it by a lot of stats, but they have played some solid Hey, football. you know what they, they have? They did go to Kansas City and Atlanta to win. Hey, I mean, they, dude. they are deserving to be the sixth seed in the AFC. We're not saying that they deserve a bye here or mm-hmm. that they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. I think they can be deserving of a sixth seed in the AFC playoffs. You know what they have, Kevin? They have 
a really good AFC record for the first time in a long time. In the what the best record in the division in a long time too. Or, if they win tomorrow, they'll have a seven and five, fairly solid. Or, or I should say, two, I should say at home, home schedule. They've been killing it at home. Sorry, two losses, Dave, are, are to New England. You're seven and five in AFC play. Um, you're six and two at home. Their road record is atrocious, so that's what kind of scares me about mm-hmm. tomorrow. They're two and five. Three and five on the road doesn't necessarily deserve the playoffs either. You should be four and four. You left a game on the field, in my opinion. You needed to go to Cincinnati and win. You wouldn't even be in this mess. Put everything else aside. If they went to Cincinnati and won, that's it. I'm not talking about any other game here, Dave. Just that game. They could be in with a win um, and in really good shape for the five seed because they'd have the tiebreaker over Baltimore. And they could even be in with a loss if they would have beaten Cincinnati. So... You know, there, there, there are some stuff here. I, I, I think that was really the game that left on the field. I don't care about the Carolina game. I don't care about the New Orleans game. I don't care about the L.A. game. I think they left a lot on the field in Cincinnati in a game they should have won. Had they played them later in the year, I think they would have beat them. Um, I do think that was the one that stings the most. The New York, the New York Jets won, too. If we played them last week instead of the Patriots, um, I do think the Bills would have taken it. I think Josh McCown played out of his mind for a couple of weeks so it's all fine it's all fine and dandy but kevin it's like it's not acceptable it's like it's not acceptable for these crappy teams to be our team do you know what i mean it's not acceptable and it's like yeah you know i i hate watching bills games going all right how are they gonna mess this up you know and right well look at their losses though two two new england good team they're still they're as good as they've ever been um, coaching wise, I mean, that team's not that talented and they're playing great football. I mean, that's better than most years when they're super talented, you know, so there's two losses there. LA was the hottest playing football team still is. They're a great team. Uh, one of the best defensive teams that they've been in years. So there's three Carolina's great. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. They're a great defensive team. There are four losses. New Orleans is right there in the Super Bowl contention. Those are five losses that aren't that bad, Dave. Really the, the one that I've said it, the one that stings is Cincinnati. You have five losses that you were going to get anyways. Um, they just needed that Cincinnati game, and that's period. That's it. They needed that Cincinnati game. I just think that, like, our whole conversation here is like, you know, I asked you, that's not acceptable, but, you know, to eat crow on my own point, you know, my point with Tyrod and his coaching staff and everything is like, these problems are very fixable. These problems are very, very fixable, and there is a lot of Perry in the league. I mean, Jacksonville not have a good team last year. I mean, shit, their quarterback sucked. And and honestly, he still kind of does. But you know what? Credit to Doug Marone. Like, really, they figured it out. And granted, their division's a little softer. But the Rams figured it out. And the Bills are on the verge of figuring it out, man. I think they're going to get this break. I have a really good feeling. Um, I'm really hoping for it. It's just like the negative dark side of me is just like, damn it, damn it, God damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. But it's like... Look at the Jets. McGowan. It doesn't take much. What I'm trying to tell you is they're that close to being a Super Bowl team. You know what I mean? That could on any given Sunday, as they say, just go on a run, man. I mean, the Giants were awful when they beat the Patriots. I mean, Coughlin was going to lose his job, of course. And, oh, well, who do you know? Coughlin. Hmm. Jacksonville. Hmm. And, you know, so where I look at it is there is – parody at times and the Jets is a perfect example 
the Bengals is a perfect example. I mean, that team didn't look too bad against the Bills. I didn't think, you know, like I didn't think they were going to be this bad, honestly. And the Ravens were the dumpster fire the first half of the season. Like, holy shit, you know, first pick of the draft maybe, huh? And there was San Fran, you know, and it's like they were awful. So it's kind of like this team limps along, kind of figures it out, but it takes a lot of time. So I don't. I don't know. I, I just think with stay out of your own way, work with the strengths that your team has. Even if that's 10 offensive plays with different variables, like whatever, dude. Like get the right packages out there and work the few plays that work from each. I mean, you're going in there hopefully calling two plays at least and for, you know, case they show the coverage you don't like. Um, and you can counter it because every action, there's a reaction that works. And, and that's just how the game works, man. It's just chess. And a lot of times before the ball is snapped, you could tell what's going to happen. It's weird. You don't understand it. But, I mean, for to the layman's, even playing Madden, just look how far a cornerback lines off the receiver. And it can dictate the coverage. Where the safety is can dictate the coverage. And, you know, that's all I've kind of picked up. You know what I mean? I'm, well, I'm learning football myself. So, to end the conversation too, Dave, there's one final point to make for anyone that's able to listen to this before 4 p.m. tomorrow, um, that the Dolphins are looking forward to playing David Fales, their backup quarterback tomorrow, replacing Jay Cutler, saying that he was getting first-team reps and that he's going to at least get the second half of the game, maybe earlier if the Bills go out to an early lead. Um, so there's that report out there. What's his name, David Fales? Yeah, their third-string quarterback, um, Matt Moore's hurt, so he's now their second-string quarterback. Um, but they want to see if he can back up Ryan Tannehill next year. So they don't anticipate having Cutler or Matt Moore. So they're trying to see if uh, Fails can be their number two. Um, so that's a big note to note that really, unless it's a super close game, I would expect to see a lot of Fails um, for a lot of the game tomorrow. So like you said, maybe the odds will be in the Bills' favor to pull this one out. Um, and get one game to go their way in Baltimore or two games to go their way with Tennessee and uh, Oakland or two games to go their way with Tennessee and Baltimore to give them the five seed, which would mean there's a home playoff possibility if they beat New England and then they, and, uh, and, and Kansas City. So there's, there's possibilities out there. It, it'll be fun. I want this drought over so we can talk about other stuff that – McDermott was able to end the drought with one year at nine and seven and the team's in great shape and has five draft picks. I'd much rather talk about that than the team being eight and eight like normal. Oh yeah. And next year nine and seven and, and not making it because Peterman started. So I just want this to end. I don't care if they, you know, don't look great in their wild card game. Um, I want it to end. I want it to end tomorrow for everybody to finally get this off their shoulder and have a shot at winning football against Kansas city or Jacksonville. Look, the Bills, no matter what, set themselves up next year yep. for whatever they want to manipulate me to get money back out of my pocket to get to the game. They have a lot of firepower, dude. And you could sell me on anything. But I will tell you, every year around week 15 or week 16 to 17, I, I look back and I go, okay, this is my hardline judgment. This is the best, most prime time. I don't think we know this team better than ever than right now, Kevin, in the season, okay? And after tomorrow, we'll know even better. But I'm telling you right now, dude, there is no chance that, like, this coordinator's back, 
There is no chance I trust him with a quarterback. There is no chance you could package me up with any quarterback to him. Um, I mean, Peterman could be dead. Peterman could be left for dead. He could be ruined already, you know? And you have all that bad habits to unwind. Um, no ifs, ands, or buts, dude. There's going to be changes, but I, I'm looking forward to it. I think the draft is going to be incredible, but there's certain things that, like, I don't know. Like, how do you not make it into a good offseason next year? That's the question. You know, like, how do you not make it a good offseason? No matter what. You know, they continue to draw. Oh, we're coming back for real this time. Now it's on. Bills, it's on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's uh, Bills wired. You know, like, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be, it's on. It's on, Bills. And they're going to sign a couple free agent guys. They're going to bring in a quarterback because that's the shiny thing that we got to rush to the field. You know, and it's like almost in hindsight, maybe they should have like drafted Chad Kelly. Like really. Like dead fucking serious. Should have drafted Chad Kelly. I mean, he's hurt still. But like, you know, kind of would have worked. So, I don't know. I kind of thought I had some epic, let me tell you right here, point, but I kind of screwed up. So. All right. Well, fair enough. Um, fair enough for me, Dave. It was a great conversation. Um, out here today. Hopefully, we can get it out so people can listen to it in the next twenty four hours. Yeah, it'll be good. Um, I'm sure people will go back because I'm just telling you, Kevin. Don't let. I think advice to fans out there is adjust where you're at with the team right now. Not adjust, but really evaluate where you are at the end of the season, and then. Go back to your notes. I did this last year. I made notes on what the team needed for last season. And I went back at draft time and then go, okay, well, what have they been hyping me on? Like, I didn't really think we needed this position. I didn't think we really needed a franchise quarterback. I think we kind of have him as far as, like, he's a safe pick. And this time going into next year to reset our combo, just a touch for the end. It's Kevin. Build off what we have. Good quarterback to to show the next quarterback what's up. Tyrod was there in Baltimore. He understands, and he's a professional. And if anything, it's going to drive him to play. So you really have to do a lot to screw up this offseason. So I think the writing on the wall is there. I'm not trying to get anybody fired. I'm just saying as an observer with the, um, the information that I have been presented and everybody else has been presented because I get no special information from anybody. I'm not behind the walls at one Bills drive. I don't know if Rick Dennison is, has a great relationship or what these players do or don't do or these coaches. I don't know anything. But I'm just telling you from the information I'm given, you've heard an hour and 14 minutes today of my thoughts as well as Kevin's. So just take that with a grain of salt before you're like, man, you're really too hard on if you're one of those people that know more than me. So, okay, Kevin, that's pretty much all I had to say about that. Okay, Dave. It's great. It's a good conversation. So where can we find you? Because you don't do Instagram now. No, just Twitter at Kevin Misery and at LockedOnBills. Or go to LockedOnBills.com, all of our content, material, a lot of stuff we've talked about today. So check me out on Twitter or on our site, LockedOnBills. All right. Well, that's Kevin, and uh, I'm your host, David Palermo. Don't forget, numpillsfan.com you want to support the show uh leave a five-star rating please on itunes or some kind of rating or wherever you find your podcast and uh 
Punch Drunk Sports. Shout out to those guys, Sam Tripoli, Jason Tebow, and Ari Shafir. Uh, great podcast about sports, and it's really funny. So you should listen to it. And uh, as always, Grandstand Sports Network and uh, Cover1.net. So take care, folks. Goodbye.